Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. It is really great to be with you on this Freedom Friday as we just celebrate the, the beauty and the wonder of Jesus. And we've got a good friend with us, Jordan Humbarger. He's the young adults pastor at Engedi Church. And I happen to go to Engedi and get to hear Jordan from time to time share the message. And Jordan soldiering through this morning. Dude, you got a cold, right? Yeah, I do, but I think I'll make it through. We're going to be all right. <laughs> you know, We're so the, glad you're here. The sweet thing is we know you don't have COVID because you had the rapid test. Yep, yep. So you're COVID-free. So how does it feel to have a cold but no, you don't have COVID? <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of refreshing because I know <laughs> I'm going to get through it. Like, And it's, you know, it's just going to be a sniffle and a cough. And my wife and child actually have a cold, too. So it just oh, hit our whole home. Oh, I know. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You know, who would have ever thought that there'd be a day, you know, where we'd say, man, I'm so glad I got a cold and I don't have COVID. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I hate colds, but you know what? I'd rather have a cold than have COVID. So Yeah, I'm right there with you. Anyway, so thanks for soldiering through and we're going to have a great show. We're going to be talking about standing strong in the Lord and, you know, you shared this message at our church one Sunday and and we're going to share share that content. It's yeah. going to be awesome. And one of the things about standing strong in the Lord is that our our strength comes when we are weak. It's upside mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so Paul says in Second Corinthians 12, uh, 8 and 9, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He was going through something really hard mm-hmm. and, you know, just praying, God, take it away from me. But the Lord said, no, he said, my grace is enough for you, mm-hmm. for my power is made perfect in weakness. Yeah. So that's what Jesus said to him. My grace is enough. And then Paul goes on and says, so I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power might rest on me. And I don't know about you guys, but it's so encouraging to me to know that, you know, suffering is is not something out of the will of God, yeah. mm-hmm. but that it's something that the Lord uses to to strengthen us, to, to showcase his power. And I'm just encouraged by that this morning. Yeah, yeah, me too. It, what I love about it is it says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And if I can relate to anything, it's probably weakness. The amount of times I get tempted, the amount of times I just blow it, the amount of times I want to give up. And uh, that's exactly the kind of person God wants to make strong. That's exactly the kind of person God wants to put his grace all over. And it's encouraging to me because I'm like, that's totally me, you know, from morning till night. Like, Lord, I need you. I need your grace. Yeah, and it's you today because, you know, you're feeling weak (laughs) with your cold. And I mean, that's a real thing. Yeah. And I just know the Lord, you know, we prayed and I know the Lord's going to give you power. Yes, amen. In a way that you wouldn't have if you didn't have a cold. You know, it's that specific. Yeah, it's that reliance upon him when you feel like there's no other way. And it's beautiful because God puts us often in those positions Mm. to learn something about him we would not be able to learn otherwise. That's it. Yeah. That's it. 
That's God it. is awesome and he's always worthy of our praise. And when we pray and there is a miraculous outcome and the circumstances radically change, like in an instant, we're just like, God's awesome. Mm. But I don't know that he gets as much glory when he sustains us. Yeah. yeah. Like, holy cow. Like when you're going through something and it it is hard and it is long and and God faithfully takes you by the hand and walks you through it step by step by step and you you just make it through the day you know and you sleep and you wake up and you grab his hand and you make it through another day like god is awesome he should get just as much honor and glory for not taking it away and sustaining us through the hard things as he does when he radically changes them strong in our weakness So talking today about God's strength and accessing God's strength. And I think one of the, I think one of the, maybe the the greatest obstacles to experiencing the strength of God is thinking that we just need a little boost. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's when you have to, when you're like, I'd like to lose five pounds. You know, you still have a cookie, you still do this, that, and the other. It's when you feel like, no, I need to, I need to radically change things, that things really start to move. Well, take that to a spiritual nature. I mean, when we, what God is, what is available in God to us, we take so little advantage of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool how God designed it to where we have to put ourselves in a posture of weakness and dependence to truly experience uh, his strength. And it's, I, I was working out one time and as I was working out, it, I was in a study of Ephesians uh, chapter six, just in my own free time. And it, it dawned on me when I was working out, I was doing this pull-up machine and I was trying to get as many reps as I could in. And I just reached the point of failure. We all reach a point of failure at some point of exhaustion where you're just grow weary. You're just fatigued. And, you know, I was kind of embarrassed because people were seeing me. I was like, man, I only did a few pull-ups and <laughs> was I was really like how can I do more because I feel like I've reached my end and it's really cool this pull-up machine has this weight balance that comes on out and assists you and when I was willing to be um, reliant and weak enough to depend on this weight balance I could just do pull-up after pull-up after Mm pull-up and it just wouldn't stop so you were expending some strength but it the, the the weight balance was doing a lot of the work Yeah, yeah, it's exactly it. And what dawned on me was it was like God was trying to speak to me and say, Jordan, I don't want to just give you power. I want to become your power. Mm -hmm. I want to be the very thing you rely and depend on. And when you rely and depend on me, you'll see that I can help you do so much more than you ever could in your greatest strengths. Makes me think of the I am statement, right? Like oftentimes especially in prayer, I think we, we think of God as having this incredible storehouse, right? Where he just goes to the storehouse and he distributes what you need. I need this. Okay. He gives you that instead of recognizing he is the, I am, he is the resource. It's not that he's given us patience or that he's given us peace. He is peace. Yeah. That's so good. That's Mm -hmm. so good. It's, it's encouraging to know that that God loves people when they're in weary places and he loves to meet us there. And if you ever feel just too tired and you're just beating yourself up over it, I'm reminded of John chapter four, where Jesus says, I'm tired too. 
Mm. And uh, we can find comfort in that statement. Yeah. I want to know about this device because I have always wanted to. (laughs) The push-up device. I have always wanted to learn how to do pull-ups. Pull-ups are one of the most difficult. Yeah, they're tough. You know, one of the most difficult exercises there are. Now, my son, you know, he's a rock climber. He likes to do rock climbing, and so he's got really strong arms. Yeah. But I think that 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 device is what I need to learn how to get some strength, first of all, Mm because, you know, it's helping you out. Then eventually... Eventually, you grow those muscles. So, this is what I'm really getting out of this particular segment. <laughs> A workout it's nothing lesson. spiritual. He's just like, I need one of those. Yeah. Ephesians six ten. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So, if you're weary, don't just you know take a little bit of god's strength and say i'm gonna do the rest but just a hundred percent throw yourself on god's power there's some different strategies on understanding that we have an enemy right there's the like head in the sand like la 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 (laughs) there's no enemy you know Uh what i mean we don't have an enemy and therefore he doesn't exist if i just deny that he's there but without without knowing that they we really have an enemy how do we come against because he doesn't stop just because we're choosing la 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 (laughs) you know how do we come against the enemy and his his strategies or even come to know that he does he's intentional about what he's doing he does have a strategy yeah it's very important we do that because he when i think about our enemy or the devil or the adversary the immediate picture that comes to most of our minds is this guy with you know horns and a red tail and a pitchfork and he just doesn't come in that evil wicked dark manner all the time a scripture actually says he masquerades as an Mm -hmm. angel of light He appears Mm. as something good Mm -hmm. to tempt you that, oh, this is good. Oh, you need this. You want this. And he plays on our desires. He knows what we're desiring. And he'll bring in these temptations in those areas where we're weak to try to wreak havoc and destruction in our lives. And, you know, we do have a, there's a battle going on inside of us too, Mm -hmm. between the Holy Spirit and our our selfish, sinful nature. So we've got that battle going on too, and Satan knows that. Yeah. And so, you know, this passage, Ephesians six eleven, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil has schemes. He's been around a long time, uh-huh. and he's smarter than we are. Yeah, it's he knows scripture, you yeah. know, and he's going to use it against you and he's going to try to misquote it and twist it to get you to think otherwise. And he's stronger than we are. Sure. Yeah. Ephesians 6:12 says, "For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms." And so this battle is real. And I don't want to be a casualty. And when it, when you talk about the, you know, the scripture says that he masquerades himself. You brought that up that he yeah. masquerades himself. I know sometimes in my own life, a lot of times in my own life, it's not only that he, um, that sin looks good, but he'll masquerade himself with somebody else's face, mm. somebody that I love. 
Yeah, yeah. Even, I, man, I, let's see how real I can get. Being in relationships prior, you know, and knowing this is not going to be a godly, healthy relationship, mm-hmm. but this person is just so beautiful. They're just so flirty and charismatic. It's like, I'm just drawn to them, but I know this is not what's going to be best for me. Yeah. And he tempts me in those places that I'm like, I'm desiring and wanting most. And sometimes I think he makes, he, you know, we think the enemy is the person in front of us and Instead of recognizing, wait yeah. a minute, wait a minute, it's not, you know, that person, it's not my husband, yes. or it's not my, it's, that's the enemy trying yes. to make things happen here. Yeah, he's playing on your desires, but he gets you to think they are the one, they mm-hmm. are the enemy. Yeah. It's, it, it was like when I was interviewing at a church one time. Mm-hmm. It was, I was coming out of Bible college. I was a young guy. Um, I still like to think I'm a young guy. But I was, a, young guy, I was a younger guy. <laughs> Everybody's young to me, my friend. Yeah, I had a few less gray hairs at that time. Let's put it that way. And I was interviewing at this church. And at that time, I was pretty immature. I just wanted like this big deal that was going to pay me well, that was going to bring a lot of status to me. I was definitely immature in my heart. And God had to work on that. But at this church, I thought, man, they're interested in me. And as I continued to get to know what was going on behind the scenes, I realized outwardly it appeared so good. It 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 like drew on my desires. Mm-hmm. But when I saw what was behind the scenes, there was just a lack of integrity in the leadership. There was a lack of care for people who are vulnerable and broken. They were bad-mouthing other churches and gossiping. And I was like, hmm. I just don't want to be a part of what the enemy is doing in this midst because outwardly it looked beautiful for me. But behind the scenes, I was like, the enemy's really got his hand on this. That was a mature decision, even though, you know, you're struggling with those, those attitudes and those motives in your heart. Yeah. You made a big time mature decision in, in that to not go to that church because right out of Bible college, you know, this is the church that everybody wants to be at, you know, like this is the goal. Yeah. And you're Mm -hmm. able to say no. So how do we keep from being a spiritual casualty? You know, how, how are you able to navigate that when, when we are being tempted and we're in this war and uh, we know the enemy's got strategies and devices and schemes against us? How do we keep from being a casualty? For me, it's reminding myself that my integrity is everything, mm-hmm. that faithfulness to what God is telling me to do is most important. Hearing from him, well done, good and faithful servant is most important. I don't know what you think about this, but I think that I think every person has something of a parent wound, a father, a mother wound, because there are no perfect parents. Mm -hmm. And my parents weren't perfect. I'm not a perfect parent. And I think that God uses that parent wound to draw us to himself Mm -hmm. is what I think. Yeah, absolutely. We have Jordan Humbarger in with us today. He's the young adults pastor at Engedi Church. And just a couple of minutes ago, I was asking him about his boy because he has become a father since the last time you were here, Jordan. Yes, my son Vale, he is my joy of my life right now. Seven months old, he just loves doing this gator barrel roll where he just rolls all over the room. I got to keep awesome. my eye on him. It's his mode of transportation right now. If he's not crawling, he's yeah. like, he's got to roll. Right? Oh, for sure. He loves it. <laughs> That's awesome. But the, this conversation about Vale, your son opened up um, 
just a conversation about your own dad. And so you piqued our curiosity. We want to hear your story. And what is the significance of becoming a dad and your story of, of your own dad? Yeah. Uh, I, I think being a dad right now is one of the greatest things I've ever had the privilege of being. And the reason being is, uh, growing up, my, my dad was somewhat absent. Now I have a great relationship with my father. Now I love him. Now we're reconciled and good. But when I was in elementary, he and my mom divorced and he kind of went his own way. And I remember feeling so abandoned mm-hmm. and so hurt. And I just, I did not understand why, why and how could something like this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. Did I do something to cause him to leave? Mm-hmm. And for years upon years, I just struggled with bitterness and anger and depression and loneliness mm-hmm. because of that absent father mm-hmm. figure in my life. Wow. So how did that come to a, like a point Did did it come to a point where you just came to the end of yourself? No. Yeah. I was 16 at this time. So it had been quite a few years and, um, I had went to a church service with my uncle. He invited me. He was actually talking to this girl at the time who went to the church. So <laughs> he just went because he was trying to be, you know, her boyfriend. They ended up getting married. She's my aunt now. I love her to death. Wow, but that worked, it worked out. out yeah, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, God, God set that up for sure. But he invited me and, you know, I was just going because I looked up to my uncle because he was like that father figure to me now. And when I went to that church service, as the pastor was preaching, it was like he was talking right to me. And I remember at the end of the gathering when he was like praying for people to put their trust in Jesus, um, I remember just hearing this voice in my head saying, Jordan, this is for you. Jordan, this is for you. And it was on a message of forgiveness and purpose. And I remember hearing the Lord saying, I want to be a father to you. And I was just a mess. I started crying. I was, I looked up at my uncle to see if this was happening to him. And he was just sitting there stoically. And I was like, nope, only me. (laughs) He was looking at the girl. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say he wasn't. I'm not going to say he was. was working in everybody's heart just in a different way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So God just said, Jordan, this is for you. I want to be your dad. Yeah. Yeah. And from that point, it started my journey with with my relationship with God and just knowing how loved and secure that love was that he would never leave me or forsake me. And that was exactly what I needed. And from that place, he started working in my heart to forgive my dad. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make, but it was the greatest decision and the most freeing decision. And now me and my dad have a wonderful relationship. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful that Jesus uh, loved me enough and and revealed his love to me so that I might in turn reconcile with my dad. You know, this just proves to me once again, I know Jesus is alive Mm -hmm. because you're telling this story of reconciliation and that's the Lord. Yeah. That's the Lord at work. That's the that's the risen Jesus yeah. who did that. Yeah. And I know he's alive because well, I know the historical, you know, reasons why, you know, it's good to be believe and credible to believe that Jesus has risen, but stories like this are evidence so much even maybe so much even more. Yeah. And oftentimes our our pain becomes our passion, you know, and you, you talked about just now being a dad to Vale and how the joy that it brings your heart to be able to be for him mm-hmm. what, what you had wanted. 
Yeah, exactly. I get to now give everything that I was hoping I could have had in growing up. And my dad did the best he could. No knock on my dad. But, you know, there was that wound there that I held against him. And if it wasn't for the love of God, I would be in a very bitter and dark place even still. You know, I, of course, I have a son, too. His name is Taylor. And, and, you know, I was not a perfect dad. I'm not a perfect dad. And, and thankfully, my son is somebody who's very honest. He can be brutally honest. And he's talked with me about, you know, the blind spots that I had in my life growing up. And, and it brought me to tears. You know, it really broke me to hear that. But it was good for me to hear that. Have you ever had a chance to say, you know, Dad, I love you, but, you know, this is what really hurt? Have you ever had that conversation? Yeah, it was probably my senior year of high school, you know, okay. two years after my relationship with Jesus. I was sitting in a restaurant with him and he was, you know, telling me of his girlfriend at the time, who is now my stepmom and I love her to death, love mm-hmm. Wendy. Um, but I remember us just having a heart to heart and I'd never seen my dad cry until that that time in that restaurant mm-hmm. where we were just, you know, both saying, you know, I'm sorry, I love you. Like, um, I want to be here for you. And it was such a beautiful picture of the gospel mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. We have a good, good father, and if you've got a father wound in your heart, a mother wound in your heart, you know, the Lord is just saying, I want to be your dad. I want to be your mom. And these wounds, I think, are meant to drive us to the perfect father. So go to him. We're talking today about how to stand strong and the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom and stand up strong. Standing strong isn't about confidence and ability. It's actually the complete opposite of that. It's, it's total honesty and surrender and saying, I can't do, I'm not like, okay. And I need a little help. Like I need drastic help. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that lesson the hard way. (laughs) It was a a long journey and it, it started probably at the end of my elementary years into middle school where I just struggled with this thing that was just getting the best of me. And I wanted to keep it a secret because I was so ashamed and I was so weak to it. And what it was, was pornography Mm -hmm. for years in middle school and high school. I struggled with this thing and I felt like I can't, if I just, you know, bite my lip hard enough, if I just try a little harder, then I'll stop it. And it just never worked that way. And it, it wasn't until I came to this realization that I needed to be honest about where I was weak. I needed to be honest about where I was truly struggling. Do you remember the point, you know, the moment when, man, I've got, this isn't working. I've got to make a shift. I've got to pivot. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I was a junior in high school, and I was sitting at my grandma's uh, trailer, and I was at the computer, and I... I was in that moment of temptation. I was home alone and I just, it was like the Holy Spirit just exposed light into my heart and was just saying, Jordan, you need to be real about this thing. This thing has been a struggle for years in your heart and life. So what did it look like to get real with it? Was that a conversation that you had privately with God? Was that something that included other people? Yeah, it did. It first started with 
God, I am actually really struggling with this thing. I'm addicted to this thing and it is ugly and it is breaking me and it is pulling me away from you and I need some real help. And so I went to mentors in my life, people who I trusted. And sure enough, they were like, I'm so glad you brought this up to me because it was, was something I struggled with too. And it was just this healing moment that I was so afraid and so ashamed to reveal this ugly thing I was struggling with in the dark. And when I brought it to the light, I just started gaining freedom and power over it like I'd never known before. And I tried for years to stop it. And it wasn't until I was honest and I confessed this ugly truth, this weakness that I embraced, that God's power started becoming real in my life. So did a particular, did one person come to mind like, I know who I'm going to go to first because I know I can trust that person. What was that in your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, my my youth pastor okay. at the time. You okay. know, he was like somebody who really believed in me, called out the the gold in my heart that God had placed in there that I didn't believe was there, and I was just like, "Hey, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm struggling with." And it was such an encouraging healing moment for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a strength that we can tap into that when we try to do it on our own, we try to bite our lip and yeah. muster up the strength to be able to push through that we lack, we yeah. don't have access to. It's in completely confessing. It, that's the beautiful thing about repent, right? Is it starts with just getting honest with Jesus. Yeah. Like before any of the turning happens, you just have to come to a place where you say, this is where I'm at. This is, this is the real raw me. And, and really is a trust. I mean, before you even get to the strength thing, it really is a trust thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, if I tell you this thing about me, you're still going to love me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was scary because I was extending my heart outward. This is the real me, the real yeah. ugly truth. And it was such a beautiful moment to experience the love of God through it, that God still loved me and he wasn't ashamed of me. He wasn't mm-hmm. turning his back on me, but he was welcoming me with open arms that I have everything you need, Jordan. And if you would just come to me with this, I will heal you and give you all. So, man, just come out of the hiding. If you're if you're hiding, that's the word right there. God is not ready to smash you down. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. So just get real with him and you're going to experience your, his embrace and, and find somebody you trust and share with them. We're big fans of Tim Keller here, and he says that the, in the gospel, you know, every other religion is advice. Mm. Like, here's what you got to do to get there. And Tim Keller says the the gospel is good news. Yeah. It's not advice. It's it's something that already happened. It's information. Here's what you got. Yeah. So talk to us about um, you actually had an encounter with someone. You got to share yeah. the gospel and, and the freedom of the good news. Yeah, yeah, it happened actually just less than two weeks ago. I was on a mission trip in Detroit, in Hamtramck, Detroit, with our young adult ministry, and we were building a garden for Muslim immigrants who are coming and just don't have food or jobs. And in in that effort, uh, we were invited into the mosque that was right there, and the Muslim priest named Azad started sharing his you know Muslim faith mm-hmm. and what they believe and how. Mm-hmm. If he would just do enough good works and charity and things like that, maybe Allah would allow him to go into heaven. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. said, now, what do you believe and why do you believe? And oh, I wow. said, yeah, wow. it was literally a setup like that. Kid yeah. you not. And I said, well, I'm so glad you asked. Mm-hmm. I said, the reason why I believe 
uh, Jesus is the son of God because that's what he was tripping up over um, and is sinless was that he died on the cross for my sins, that there's nothing that I can do good enough to earn my way to heaven or a relationship with God. It was mm-hmm. all through Jesus. And it's so freeing. I don't have that overwhelming feeling mm-hmm. of trying to be good enough, of hoping that maybe God will forgive me. Yeah. And it's it's the gospel that, that frees us to live a new life mm-hmm. because... I think people think, well, that just sounds so easy. You just, it's been done for you and then you move on with your life. But no, when that, that love, that unconditional, surprising, unearnable grace smashes into our lives, it just makes us want to live for God. Yeah. And it frees us to live for God. And we get a power from the Holy Spirit to live for God. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's what he, Izad, was wondering. He was saying, well, if Jesus did everything for you, then why are you going to do any good works at all? I mm-hmm. said, because he did something I couldn't do myself. Oh, and because yeah. he loved me in such that way, I can't help. I'm compelled to love other wow. people in that way. It's why we're here building the garden for your oh, your wow. people who are coming. And it, and you know what he said? He said, wow, that is brilliant. He said, are you guys oh going to be here tomorrow? Because I would, I would like to come back after my son's soccer game to talk more on this. Oh, and man. I said, we would love to have you come back and we could wow. talk more. You see, this is, we have views of Muslims, but that conversation right there is really, that really describes Muslims very well. Yeah. You know, that the, the average Muslim is like Izzad. Yeah. That's been my experience as well. How, how old is Izzad? Oh man, he's gotta be, uh, older than me. Let's just say okay. that. I want to be kind to him, probably how old he was. He okay. had a few more gray hairs than I All did. All right. Got it. I just feel like we should pray for him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Lord God, thank you for bringing Azad and Jordan together in the same place at the same time. Thank you for the garden, the place. Like nothing that you do is just by chance. You're not like, ah, here's an opportunity. You are the God who loves Izad and sent Jordan and his team to be there to minister, to build a garden for people who need food so that so that they would be blessed for sure, but so that Izad would have a conversation that intrigued him that he would respond, wow, that is brilliant. God, we just pray that you would continue the work in his heart and that you would draw him to yourself. He is a leader, a leader with influence, Father. And I know that you would do it for his heart alone, but my heart just gets so excited at the thought of how he would influence other people for your kingdom as one who leads others into truth and is so committed to truth and pursuit of what is good. May he pursue you and find you to be fully God, to be fully good. May he declare Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is Lord. Jordan Humbarger is with us today. He's the young adults pastor at Engedi Church and having this conversation in about Ephesians 6.12, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, hmm. whoa, yeah. over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And we know he's a liar. The enemy's a liar. When he lies, he's speaking his native tongue, it is said, mm-hmm. right? So tell us, uh, Jordan, a little bit about what this looks like. How does this look like in everyday life, that the enemy would disguise himself or or manipulate circumstances for us to think that he's not the enemy somebody else's 
Yeah, for me, it would have to be the closest relationship I have, the relationship with my wife, Jacqueline. I remember there was a time we were we were arguing. I don't even remember what we were arguing about. You know those things? You're just, the way it goes. That's yeah. usually and the case. It's halfway through the day. You forget what you're arguing about, but you're just mad. And yeah. so I was upset with her. And, you know, I had made a vow on our wedding day to never let the sun go down in my anger. That's Ephesians 4, 26. And, well, I had completely forgotten about it. And so I went to bed. I was like, you know what? That's it. I'm just going to sleep this thing off. I'm going to bed. I can't stand what's going on. And I wake up the next morning. And I roll over and I say, hey, babe, how are you doing? And she goes, not good. I said, not good. Why? She goes, well, you never reconciled last night Mm. and you promised to never let the sun go down on our anger. I said, oh, I meant never let the sun go down on my anger. I was done being mad last night. That's why I went to bed. I was done. But really what was happening was the enemy wanted me to make my wife the enemy that I, he was trying to get my anger to be a foothold in our marriage to to prevent reconciliation and forgiveness, to just throw it under the rug kind of a deal and, and forget it's even there. But it, it just wasn't it. It was causing some tension in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And I needed to confess up to that. Oh, my goodness. I just feel like the enemy is about this. All th- Let's go right now, today, real time, right? Like politically mm-hmm. we're seeing the you know anybody who thinks differently than me they're the enemy yep. we see that happening all the time um yeah with race yeah. we see that going on it's like that is do we see that that is the work of not the person in front of you not the person who thinks differently not the person who looks differently that is the work of the enemy yeah to divide and conquer and when we see we're seeing a lot of division and a lot of hostility and a lot of hatred maybe in our own family but certainly in the media and we got to look at that right now and say this this is what the enemy the enemy is just pumped up about what's happening right now yeah because that's what he wants to do is divide and conquer and it's happening right before our very eyes and you know what what can i do about it i have i i have a role to play in this yeah. to be a peacemaker and to see that you know the person that i'm in conflict with and if i'm letting that conflict grow i'm just i'm being a casualty in the war yeah, yeah. It especially in the political kind of field. I, I just really think Jesus was too conservative to be liberal and too liberal to be conservative. Mm-hmm. And so us as the people of God, it doesn't matter which political leaning we have. The question is do not do you lean in the same direction of me politically, but can I love those who don't lean the same way? Mm-hmm. And that's what he's inviting us to do. But the enemy, the devil, our adversary, doesn't want us doing that. He wants us to see them as enemy, as they're ruining America. They're ruining my life. They're ruining our finances and get us to cause division, just like you guys were saying. Division in the church, division in our country, division in our marriages, Mm -hmm. division in our families. The enemies, he's not looking to trip us up. He, his intent, the word is so very clear about this, is to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. Yeah. I just wonder what it looks like today to, to take the face off of who you think your enemy is and to replace that with who the real enemy is. So the person you think is the enemy, love them today. We're talking about how to stand strong, and the truth is such an important part of this. We've had some great conversations this morning about how part of the truth is coming clean with God and being completely honest with him about who we are and where we're at. Let's talk a little bit about the truth and the necessity of the truth for standing strong. 
Yeah, yeah. Truth will keep you stable in the face of lies. I I was um, I hurt my back not too long ago, and I wish I could say it was because I deadlifted like a bunch of weight, but it wasn't. It was because I took out the trash and I bent over the wrong way. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm getting I'm getting that old now. Apparently, it was like whenever I'd wake up, I'd have to do this like airplane movement, like to slowly start getting my back up just because yeah. it was in pain. And mm-hmm. I oh, went man. to the chiropractor, and my chiropractor said, "Well, Jordan, the reason you hurt your back is because." Your core was weak. Mm-hmm. Your core wasn't stable and strong enough. And it's it's the reason why you hurt your back. And it just dawned on me that truth is like the core. In Ephesians 6, it talks about how we have to put on the belt of truth. And that belt was to keep the people stable. And when you know the truth, it will keep you stable in the face of lies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, for for me, it was like when I would think that, you know, God couldn't forgive me for this sin or I've messed up too much or there's no way I could have hope from this. The truth kept me stable that, mm-hmm. no, he is a better savior than mm-hmm. I am sinner. And that's a great point because we tend to put grace and truth opposite each other. But a truth is not just, you know, the hard things that, that God's word says to us, you know, those things that like the book of James, like he's a blowtorch with how he speaks to us about the sin in our lives. And that's part of truth. But grace is also truth because there's a lie in the human heart that says you've got to perform really well in order to get God's favor. But the truth is that we are saved by grace, by the yeah. grace of God, by the love of God, not just that just doesn't get us in the door of the kingdom, but it's always true because the enemy wants to, to bring us back into this performance mentality that yeah. I'm not good enough. And the truth of the gospel cuts through that is what I hear you saying. Yeah, exactly. The The gospel is a truth that is so gracious and a grace that is so true. Hmm. And I, I can remember. Tweetable. Yeah, tweetable. <laughs> I can I can remember just, you know, struggling with the stability of truth of not believing that, oh, there's no way it could be true that God really does love me and still wants to use me. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like when you build a fort when you're younger. Did you guys ever do that? Oh, yeah. You know, with sure. pillows and oh, blankets. blankets. And yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. And you build this fort. And then what do you do after it? You jump on it and you break it and you just destroy it and you rebuild <laughs> it. And the reason why that fort would break is because it was fake and fake things always fall apart. Mm. But when you stand on what is true, it Mm. keeps you stable. You are reminded of the truth that you are secure in the arms of Jesus, Mm. that he can take you where you need to go if you would just trust him. We got an article forwarded to us from Jack Havman, our station manager, the other day. It was um, from John Stone Street, and he was talking about having the argument about whether, you know, truth can be found or not. You know, can it be found? And he ended by the article by saying, truth can be found. I know him. Mm. The way, the truth, the life. He's the build your life on Jesus because this culture is just adrift. He's true north. He's the compass. Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments? Text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.